seated. I invite Steve to come share our scripture readings for us this morning. Good morning. Our first reading is from Exodus chapter 3 and the first 15 verses. It starts on page 90 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. And it begins. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? <clears throat> and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Our New Testament reading begins on page 1524 in your pew Bibles, and it is Matthew chapter 16. Verses 21 to 28. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we may not know it, But at this moment, even the ground under our feet is holy. For we are in your very presence. Lord, speak to us today. It may not be through a bush that is on fire but not consumed. It may be a still, quiet voice in the middle of the day. It may be in a word from a friend. It may be from your spirit stirring in our heart. However you choose to speak to us, Lord, you know us best. You know what we need. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive you. Lord, help us to realize down to our very bones that the ground under our feet is indeed holy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This book is not actually a book. This is a library. And contained within this library, between these two very nice genuine leather covers, with nice silver gilded pages and ribbons, is a library. And there are 66 components to this library. And there is history, and there is poetry, and there are letters, and there is biography. That's what the Gospels are. This book is actually a library. And I think if you were to take this library, which although there are 39 pieces in the Old Testament and 27 in the New, and although they're written across hundreds of years, indeed a thousand years or more, 
by different authors from different cultures in different places, somehow, it tells a cohesive whole story. It tells a, a, a narrative that has a beginning and it has a trajectory and it goes all the way through the Bible. This library that I have in my hand. And we can understand the trajectory of the, the story contained in this library kind of in this way that the uncreated God creates and it's beautiful and good. And human beings are created, and it's beautiful and good. And human beings do what human beings will always do, mess things up. By assuming for themselves prerogatives that belong only to God. And so from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the end of this library I contain in my hand, is a story of God trying to rescue humanity and humanity's continued oscillation between faithfulness and unfaithfulness and yet God's steadfast faithfulness. As God works through judges and kings and prophets to restore relationship with these people that he has called to himself. Yet echoing, even in the prophets, hundreds of years before Christ comes, is this promise that God himself would one day step into human history and be for the people what no earthly leader could be. So we have the incarnation, and we have the birth of the church, and we have a look ahead to the culmination of all things here in this library. And I want to put to you this morning that if you were to take Genesis through Revelation, all that's contained in this library, and if you were to map it out, if you were to chart out this narrative, and as you would in any good story, you look for moments in the plot upon which everything turns, I put to you that Exodus chapter 3 is perhaps the hinge upon which this whole library swings. Think of me for a moment, if you would. If Moses, one of the greatest heroes in the whole Bible, a towering figure in the Jewish tradition, if Moses had not turned aside to look at that bush, what would have happened? Moses may not have gone down into Egypt, to liberate the people who would then head into the promised land and establish the kingdom of Israel. And all the events that flow from that, which lead all the way down to the single greatest event in human history, the incarnation of God. You know what it traces itself back to? A wandering nomad who was on the run for murder of an Egyptian turning aside to look at something out of the ordinary. The great uh, Episcopal priest and preacher, Barbara Brown Taylor, said, imagine if you would for a moment, if Moses saw the bush and he said, I'm just here to hire, I'm just hired to watch sheep. 
Burning bush, somebody get a fire extinguisher and put it out. Burning bush, I don't see anything. Imagine if Moses had not turned aside to look at a bush that was on fire and yet not consumed. What may have happened? This story changes everything for Moses. It changes the whole trajectory of the people of Israel. It has consequences all the way down to the arrival of the Messiah. If you read the book of Romans, you find in Paul's great treatise to the church in Rome, perhaps one of the most theologically rich pieces we have in this library. Paul talks about Christ as a Moses figure, because Christ came down, just as Moses went down to Egypt, God comes down into our world to rescue us, because we're in slavery and bondage. And he's the great liberator who leads us out into a new land, into a new promise, into a new day. But imagine if Moses had not turned aside to look at this bush. You see, here's the thing about fire. Fire needs fuel, doesn't it? It needs a fuel source. And when it has exhausted that fuel source, what happens? Fire goes out. And yet this bush is on fire, and it's burning, and it's burning, and it's burning. And no doubt, it has exhausted the fuel that the bush gives it, and yet it still So Moses turns aside to look at this thing. And he encounters the God of his ancestors. And for him, after this encounter, everything changes. Do you know why everything changed? Before the encounter with the burning bush, Moses knows about God, he's had ideas. He knows what his ancestors had experienced and heard. But now, he experiences it for himself. See, Moses goes from knowing about God to having an encounter with God. And for him, everything changes. We can almost call this Moses' conversion moment. Where he comes face to face, as it were, with the one true God. And in that moment, he's afraid, isn't he? Because he encounters this attribute of God which weaves its way through the entire Old Testament and in the New Testament. That is the the holiness of God. And he's afraid. Because what is the holiness of God but the perfect exposure of human frailty and weakness? I was reading a a story on the internet, you know, those things that people share on Facebook that kind of just go around and around and around. Well, this one I thought was really fascinating. It was about a, a violinist in Texas. Small town, not too far from the Dallas Fort Worth area. She was a standout violin player in the local symphony, exceptional in her class. And that town really knew that they had a star in their midst. 
And she traveled with her school to New York City. And when she got into the subway, she heard someone busking and playing the violin. And she was both captivated and horrified. You know why? Because it was incredibly beautiful. And in a moment, she realized that this busker was a better violinist than she was. And to me, if that is not a perfect picture of the holiness of God, Beautiful and enthralling and yet terrifying because it does something to us, doesn't it? In a moment, in an encounter, we realize how frail we are, how imperfect, indeed how sinful. And we're left perhaps like Moses where all he could do is take off his feet in a gesture that is beyond words to describe, but manifests in an action. That in that moment, in that place, in that encounter, is something so beautiful and so terrifying. All one can do is close one's eyes and bow down low. And when Moses asks the name of this God, he's been given a mission, hasn't he? He's encountered God. God says, I want you to do this. You're going to lead the people out of suffering and slavery. And in a moment, Moses says, who am I going to say? They're going to ask who sent me. This is a pretty big ask, God. Take all those people out of Egypt. Wow. At least let me know who sent me so I can tell them. He says, I am who I am. Which is really, 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 really difficult in Hebrew to translate. Because all we have in that moment, is a verb to be. The very ground of being itself, existence itself, the thing upon which everything depends and without which nothing would exist, that's God. Being itself. So what happens with Moses and what can we learn from this encounter with the bush that is consumed that's on fire and yet not consumed. Here's the first thing. Walk through life with your eyes open. And when you see something extraordinary, check it out. Annie Dillard, great author, says, there are burning bushes all around us and we never see them. There are burning bushes all around us and we never see them. God is as active and is at work in our lives and in our world as he was in any story on the pages of this library. And yet we can either be like Moses and notice and go and check it out. And perhaps in doing so have an encounter with the very God of the universe. Or we can keep going on our way doing our thing and never see what it is that God wants to reveal to us. Go through life with your eyes open. And secondly, look what happens to Moses. Moses has an encounter with the uncreated creator of the universe. With the one in whom everything depends on for its very existence, the ground of being itself. But then what happens? Moses himself becomes a burning bush. He himself carries the very presence of God 
after this encounter with him where he goes. It is the power of God that allows him to go into Egypt and to stand up to one of the most powerful men in the known world and to speak on behalf of God. You think Moses could have done that in his own power, of his own strength? No. But Moses had an experience. He had an encounter. And so then he had the strength to go and to do the thing that God had called him to do. But if he had not noticed the bush that was on fire, everything may have been different. Friends, you have no idea when you go to the grocery store tomorrow or sometime this week who God is going to put in your path that in a moment you can speak a word to them that might change the direction of their lives. When you have an urge to to call somebody who you've been thinking of Has that ever happened to you? And you call them and they say, oh, wow, I was just thinking about you. You have no idea how much I needed to hear from you. As you go through life and and you feel the overwhelming urge to pray for somebody, or you read something in this library, speaks to you in a way that you never were spoken to before, or a familiar story reveals something brand new to you. Do you notice it? Are you paying attention? Or will you let it just pass you by? And in doing so, the opportunity to reflect the very fiery love of God into a world around us. You see, friends, even in our day, there are lots of pharaohs. There are lots of people and places and things that are holding people captive. And you know what? You and I have the only answer that can set them free. called to be a burning bush. I'm called to be a burning bush. To bring the light and the love of God so that others can see his holiness and in doing so realize who they are and then be changed so that they can reflect his love into the world around them. That's the pattern of discipleship, friends. An encounter, an experience with the living living God that we then carry into the world. And another person meets that God. And then they carry it and then another person meets and on and on and on. It's the life to which we're called. Friends, pay attention to the extraordinary and let it change you so you yourself can bear the extraordinary into an ordinary world. Amen and amen.